The following podcast has been paid for by the Wrestling World Order. Hello and welcome to episode 42 of the Wrestling World Order. I'm Mike. And I'm Sean. Man, we're just, we're just. Yeah, we're cooking. We're cooking, man. We're we're cooking, cooking with fire. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just uh well, maybe episodes after my lunch earlier. I'm cooking with gas. Yeah, we're cooking episodes. Uh just like rolling episodes out like crazy, Sean. I tell yeah, you. We're being we're we're toppling uh last year's total. We might. We might topple it in the first couple of months. Yeah. Of the year. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we're back for another episode, and man, do we got a lot to talk about? We were just running down uh, our list of topics and things that we want to uh, kind of touch on from the world of wrestling, and then we're going to get into uh, the segment that we talked about last episode, which was a um, WrestleMania rewind, uh, WrestleMania rewind rewatch, I guess we'll call it. Uh, where we discuss a, a featured match from each of the WrestleManias uh, over the course of this WrestleMania season. Uh, so you're going to get the first five WrestleManias this episode. We're going to talk about a match from each of those. Uh, that'll be that'll be at the bottom of the episode, so stay tuned for that. You'll want to hear what we have to say about those uh, matches, I assure you. Uh, but... As we are accustomed to doing, we do like to talk about the current product, and we're going to uh, kind of dissect uh, AEW a bit. Since we, we didn't really touch on it very much last episode, we're going to get into uh, this past week's Dynamite episode, which uh, had a lot going on. Um, there was a lot of things that occurred. I know there's some exciting things for this next episode of Dynamite, but... Man, I mean, the headlining match of this episode was CM Punk versus MJF. What do you think of that match, Sean? <laughs> uh, I I really I liked it. Um, I thought that it was uh, pretty well paced. Um, I it had like a a feel of um, like kind of like a, a an old school kind of feel. I I like that. Uh, MJF, I mean, in particular, I mean, this is a, a, a part that I, you know, I wanted to bring up of a, you know, real positive of him, like working the arm. Like I thought that that was good. The, you know, the quote unquote selling of it and just overall, like the, the action and how they kind of the, they got the crowd really invested in it. I mean, the crowds usually typically for, AEW shows I mean like when we went and saw it live and like you know week to week they tend to be pretty invested in the product uh but I think you know I mean it being a hometown show for punk and I mean presumably a big crowd I would guess maybe like a, they've had a good runs in Chicago of selling out so um I, I'm guessing it was it, yeah uh, it seems like the um they do like a show in Chicago every what two to three months or so. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. they run Chicago pretty uh, frequently. Yeah. Um, but I I I liked it. I thought it was good. Um, if I had, and we kind of talked about the soft pod like uh, a little bit. If I had one kind of thing that I thought maybe could have like 
really taken it up a notch. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, some people may disagree with me on it. Um, I, I feel like the match could have maybe stood to be like about 10 minutes shorter. Um, I felt like it got a little bit long with what they did in the match. They could have like really condensed that down and still told the entire story of what they were going for. But I it, like some of it, it got a little bit long for me. And usually I'm one that like, I, I don't mind like a longer match. I don't mind something that's paced out slow where, you know, the wrestlers take their time and tell us that, tell that story and they get plenty of time, you know? Um, but I, I also kind of balance that with like, you know, I don't, you know, I don't need a match to be 45 minutes or whatever, you know, this wound up being. Uh, to, to accomplish that. If for me, it would have been like, you know, maybe, uh, you know, that much more kind of taken up to that, like, you know, next, next level of like, if, if it maybe had a little bit kind of trim, uh, trimmed off. But other than that, I mean, I thought it was, you know, the intensity was good, a bit of a, a, a surprising, uh, outcome in some respects, I guess, but I guess it sort of extends the feud. Cause I, I was sort of thinking after like the initial, um, sort of cheating win where, well, both of them were cheating, kind of cheating, uh, wins, uh, right. Uh, but after MJF had used the tape and yes. kind of choked them out, I thought, well, maybe punk's going to win. Like when the match got restarted, so that part was, but the more I thought about it, I was like, nah, this will end up kind of extending this a bit and they'll get like a, probably a pay-per-view match out of, uh, you know, out, out of this feud is kind of just where I, what, what I was thinking after, after finishing right. it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with revolution coming up here at the beginning of next month, it stands to reason that there could be another match in this, uh, program, uh, between these two guys. Uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with you in, in that I did feel like it was a, a little bit long. Um, I felt like it told a good story, though, mm -hmm. uh, that he got caught cheating the first time. I, I liked how he, he got caught uh, with the tape. It was kind of, it was kind of good. Uh, I thought Remsburg did a nice job with that, uh, with his facial mannerisms and the yeah. way he kind of sold the tape. And uh, discovering the tape and everything, I, I thought that was I thought that was a good portion, yeah. of part of the match. All of the um, working the injury parts of this match were done well. The production work on this actually for the finish, the actual finish with the uh, with the handoff of the ring, and that they they showed um, they showed the sleight of hand of um, Wardlow. Yeah, at the end of the match, like they showed him kind of like as if he was like contemplating uh, not helping MJF and maybe betraying him and playing mm -hmm. into that sort of card and then actually helping him was yep. was great. It was it it really did tell that uh, story and that arc of those two very well. I get a very much a um, a Ted DiBiase Virgil vibe from the two of them. 
I was thinking that I was also sort of in a, in a sense like, um, yeah, that comes to mind. Uh, I actually thought earlier today, sort of in in some sense, like uh, uh, Triple H and Batista. A little yeah, bit. a little bit. Yeah, yeah I don't I know if that. It, like that came to mind because Wardlow is like a big guy and Batista obviously is a big guy. So I I, I don't know. You know, maybe I kind of like at first pulled that together, but. You, you do kind of get like the vibe of like DiBiase and Virgil. Which I, I mean, I think, I think uh, Wardlow might be uh, a bit more talented in the ring than Virgil is. Yeah. Still a little bit green, but like but, I, I see a lot of potential there. Well, yeah. I mean, I see a lot of potential, but I also see, I mean, more, you know, maybe more of an upside with what they are going to do with Wardlow, I think. Uh, sure. I I think he's pretty marketable in that way. Um, I mean, I'd be surprised if like there, you know, there isn't something to maybe like, you know, would WWE be interested in that guy, you know? And, and it said a lot about like, oh my God, like that guy is like, you know, sort of tailor-made for like what the WWE looks for. But then you know, you get some guys that look a certain way and it's kind of like, oh my God, they didn't really do anything with them. Um, so it, I, I got, I, you know, I would, I would, uh, I would think that they would be interested in a guy that looks like that. And he does a good job with like the facial mannerisms. And like, uh, I thought that was really good as well. Like uh, in the, yeah. in the, um, like the replay, how they uh, showed the like you said the sleight of hand but yeah all in all i i thought it was good and it's refreshing to see like a match too that people are invested in and it goes to show like the value of having a really good heel and a really good you know a good face and that 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 net that dynamic doesn't you know isn't old-fashioned or that, like, the thing of, you know, somebody like, you know, these matches where they're like 45 minutes and there's multiple false finishers and somebody has to do a, a triple Lindy off the top rope through a table uh, to try to get, like, oohs and ahs from the crowd, that here you have, like, a, you know, a, a, a long match that the crowd is very much into. And it is like i said like classically worked so i i i think you know it's kind of those one of those things what is old is sort of new again you know like it 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 works and mm-hmm. it's it's not you know like i said heel face thing it's not a a trope it's not you know i i there were some things you know said early on in the early days of AEW where like you know, oh, well, that's old fashioned. I'm like, it it works. People are gonna dislike bad guys and cheer for good guys, and that's it. You know, as as old as any anything else, any other type of storytelling. So, as our as our friend uh, Bell used to say, it's a tale old, tale as, as, time. old as time. Yes, <laughs> but I I thought it was good. It was a uh, it was a definite highlight on this episode. It's funny you say um, the thing about 
the heels and uh, them getting the reaction that they get when there was another segment on this show where somebody who was not intended to be a heel got very much a heel reaction, not only by her actions, but by her words specifically. And they're trying to play this off as if her and her husband aren't heels, yet they're healing it up. They are. And it was confused. And obviously you're talking about Brandy mm-hmm. uh, and the Brandy Dan, uh, Dan Lambert uh, segment. Right. Um, yep. it, it was so weird. It, it It's interesting because like I... I came into watching it like I work late Wednesday, so I get home and then sometimes I don't immediately jump on to watching Dynamite or it's maybe about 20 minutes past, half past by the time mm-hmm. I kind of like turn on the TV and everything. So uh, like half past eight. So like I turned it on and I came into it in this pro- promo and I missed the very beginning where she purposely like said the name of the like the wrong city like she said cleveland and it got booze from the crowd and i'm like i when i re-watched like the episode to catch that i'm like my god right off the bat it's not even a thing of like okay the crowd you know built up to or she was trying to play face like right off the bat she started the promo with healing it up and, and and acting like that and it was just such a weird segment i mean possibly one of in my opinion one of the worst things they put to um a tv i mean and then lambert comes out who is has been a heel to this audience and they've got this guy featured in multiple things and he comes out and the crowd is cheering every word that he says because it's quite frankly, you know, as offensive as it may be to some people, it's quite frankly, like uh, at its core, the thoughts that a lot of people have about Brandy and, and Cody. Um, yeah. so he's sort of just expressing like the, 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 the thought process in my mind that a lot of the fans have towards Brandy and Cody. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the other thing about it is, is like, you, you, you mentioned something about um, Lambert and it, that he's involved in a lot of things. And that's no issue, really. I don't feel like it is. I mean, that he's now um, kind of aligned himself with uh, Jake Roberts and Lance Archer. I don't think there's any issue with that. That he's also, you know, with still with Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. I mean, I don't, I don't see an issue with that really per se. I mean, if you look at like managers throughout history, they have multiple people that they're. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I, I, it's just weird because it seemed thrown together with like the Archer thing. Like, what's his association? Why? Like, what? And. I mean that that's an aside. Uh, I you know the 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 page and Archer feud yeah. kind of seems very thrown together, uh, but like 
I, I get what you mean. I mean, and we're going to probably have some discussion about managers later. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Like Heenan or Jimmy Hart or, you know, any right. of them throughout history had multiple clients, I guess yeah. you would say. And, and they'd come out, you know, throughout like a show. And you'd see, oh, well, there's Bobby Heenan again. Not comparing anything other than that uh with like you know you know what's funny is all all these years i've never really thought about the wrestlers being clients of the manager like i've never used that term in my mind or vocally but it's right it's not wrong it's just I've i've never really like used that term in that association I think the only the only reason, I mean, maybe that term came to mind. I mean, obviously, you, you know, and we'll have conversation about, again, about managers later and maybe more modern is because Paul Heyman's, uh, you know, is kind of at the forefront right now of, I think, doing the, the best job in modern times as a manager. And what's the term that he uses? My client, Brock Lesnar, you know, yeah. like that's it, it's that kind of thing. So I, I, I think you're, you're right on that as well. I never necessarily thought of or used when thinking of Bobby Heenan or, you know, Jimmy Hart or JJ Dillon or Jim Cornette. Mm -hmm. Like I never used like the term client. Yeah. And then, I mean, of course you said you gave the one great example, the Brock Lesnar, Paul Heyman, or, Roman Reigns right. relationship. And that's the perfect example of somebody who is using it. But yeah, it, it's not anything that you've really heard somebody use on the regular over the years. Yeah. So kind of interesting. What do you think about the segment? Like, uh, like just kind of. I... It, it wasn't good. Um, yeah. The, the first one they did was because it was new that they kind of just um kicked kicked it off it was it was like oh my god i can't believe you know he said that or she said that you know that kind of reaction at first but this one uh, not a huge fan of it it just it didn't really go anywhere uh i mean it was really uh that she she got such the heel reaction from the Chicago crowd that she couldn't actually do the promo was bad, and I don't mean bad on her. I just meant bad like like bad overall, um, and not bad on the crowd. Just that it didn't come off very well. Yeah, because of all of that. And, uh, and again, I get like they're trying to maybe tear down. You know, you're trying to. Um... you know tear down or roast your you know who you're you know verbally yeah you're trying to verbally roast the person right but (laughs) again in these promos some of these promos um not all of them like again this this habit of them verbally like kind of degrading their talent to compare them to someone else or, or or indicate that they're less than talent 
working for like another company like brandy saying well ethan we only uh hired you to try to get to josh alexander or something like that it's just like okay you know again and this is the second time brandy has done this when she like referred in the first one to um uh lambert as like a uh what a less talented paul Heyman, and i'm like <laughs> it's just it's just funny like they kind of go back in this playbook it, it, it seemingly in some aew promos to like referencing some other piece of talent that works for another company and putting like that other piece of talent up on a pedestal, you know, whether you're a, you're a less well-known Miz, you're a less talented Paul Heyman. We wanted to get to Josh Alexander. Like what is that saying about like the people that you have in your company? I get you can, you know, trying to roast someone, but it just, it, 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 in a sense, it already is like, okay, there's a bigger deal somewhere else. Yeah. Um, but I mean, what is the purpose of this? Like, yeah. Is, is she picking fights for Cody? I mean, is Cody involved in other stuff currently? I mean, this doesn't really seem to fit right. in. And then, I mean, presumably we're going to end up with like a Brandy match with, uh, who, I forget her name that came out. Uh, the UFC fighter. I, I, yeah. I, I don't even remember what her name is. But And well, I mean, how realistic is that? Right. And how quickly the other, like the other women from the locker room came out. Like, I mean, I get, it happens, right? I mean, another, you know, this isn't exclusive to AEW or anything. But I was watching, it was like, no sooner did they kind of go into the corner where like, uh, the the one the ufc uh woman uh kind of backed or or uh uh brandy into the corner i think that women just piled out of like the uh the backstage area like they were just like ready ready to go and like uh they were like at a starting line and i just picture like tony khan like with like a gun like firing it off and they all ran out um at the same time, like it was just like ready to go anticipating this encounter. So even that, like that, uh, pull apart thing, just, it, it, it was all just very, like every aspect of this was just like, not like, um, good. And it's so, it's so weird because it's just Lambert again, who's the heel here? Like Brandy's getting booed guaranteed it's not just like a chicago crowd that's gonna boo her she's healing it up anyways lambert's a heel elsewhere but in this he comes off a little bit more like a, a face because he's insulting brandy and the crowd is like tearing into brandy and then like and and then later on Lambert or either later on or before I forget which uh, where it fell Lambert's coming out there with Jake and Paige is out there and then the, the you know as a kind of like a heel thing it's like it's so confused yeah. as to what the hell oh, by the way, this was I was looking it up it's uh, Paige Van Zandt Paige Van Zandt okay mm-hmm. wait another page <laughs> yeah 
this is this is not i'm normally not on board with like wwe changing names but maybe we're getting to a point where like the pages and cages and everything like eh, maybe there needs to be uh some uh name changes well i mean brian cage is probably going to be gone yeah yeah so you got that there there's uh there's one less cage I kind of wonder about him because I don't know if the necessarily if he would go to or if the WWE would want to even uh, touch him. He, I mean, obviously on the surface, he sort of looks like a guy. This is a, another like little tangent about Brian Cage. He sort of looks like the guy that you would think like, oh yeah, WWE all over him. But I, I don't... I don't know what, for one, how much I was necessarily, like, impressed with him. I mean, it could be a thing, though, I mean, uh, uh, to be fair about him, how much did we actually really see of him, you know? Well, it also sounds like, based on what I've been reading, that um, that there might be some things about, like, his uh, personality that might be uh, yeah. detrimental. Sure, sure. I mean, I'm sure... Uh, you know, people uh, more will end up coming out if he jumps ship or, you know, like he's prone to do. Uh, Tony Khan will jump on Twitter and uh, start insulting him or something once they release him. So, yeah, you never know. But, yeah, I it's it's funny because, you know, just kind of jumping back to uh, this this segment here, it it's it's weird to see. And this is like one of the things that we talked about uh, a, a couple episodes ago where I sort of like uh, had my little uh, airing of grievances about AEW of late. And this I think was like a prime example within this episode where you get some of like the worst of it. And then you get like some of the best of it, like with that main event. And mm -hmm. It's like just this tale of two different shows almost yeah. like it's just it. And I, I will say like this episode, um, apart from it, it felt like there was a little bit more that I liked in this episode than some of the episodes of late. Yeah. So I'm going to give them a, 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 some kudos because like for about the like I like I've said about the last month month and a half or so, I it's it's kind of not really been too good for me in my opinion. Uh, so like this was um, this was a bit uh, a bit better of an episode than they've had of uh, in recent memory. Yeah, especially like that last one before with like the lights out match and everything. I mean, and I and I hope that they can kind of continue on some of the momentum and everything, um, you know, with it of uh, this feud and maybe some of the other good stuff. But some things that it's it's head scratchers, you know. Uh, there's definite head scratchers within this. So one of the um, I was going to say you use the term uh, almost every episode. So I want to I want to see if we can get a sponsorship by, but they don't really exist anymore. By uh, Kudos Granola Bars. Oh. <laughs> Sean Kudos Moment of the Week. Oh, I'm going to go Sean, Kudos to uh, Pumpkin Kudos. MJF. 
Sean huh? eats a kudos and gives somebody kudos at the same time. Yeah. Well, hey, yeah, I, I could be I could be positive about it and positive about AEW or positive about WWE or just as I can be negative of it. Uh, and, and I think this speaks to yeah, it just speaks to what I was talking about because there's just so much of that potential and the talent here that they do have, and it it's just you know when when. Uh, and this is just personal preference. I know there's other people who would disagree with me about like the last month, month and a half of shows and think that they're, you know, they're all bangers as people like to say, and they're firing on all cylinders and would, you know, wholeheartedly disagree with me, but it speaks volumes to me uh, around like the roster that they have. And like when they do have that level of talent and when they do feature the people that really are good and that I feel like know like what they're doing and are featured well in stuff that makes sense to me uh, versus some of this other stuff. Uh, I just, I, I, I just wonder, and I mean, I know we're going to talk about, and you're going to mention a match here because I was critical of a guy who's, really not been featured all that much since they uh since they signed him on and i'm glad to hear and glad to see that he's finally like it right. in more of a, a a feud and being featured not just on youtube right. um, well we'll get to that in a minute yeah but um, i guess my point is is like when you have people like that and we're i'm referring to jay lethal mm-hmm. and it, it's just it blows my mind that then we get stuff like featured, like, you know, with, you know, Dan Lambert all over the show and Brandy all over the show and other stuff that kind of has the stink of it on it. Well, I'd be okay with Dan Lambert, but when it's Dan Lambert and Brandy on and like so both at the on the same segment i i wonder just what what is happening Why? yeah yeah it doesn't make a heck of a lot of sense um to me but um one of the other things that occurred this past week that i wanted to get your take on was uh moxley had a match mm-hmm. uh <laughs> well he was supposed to have a match against uh Brian Kendrick, who had just gotten released from WWE, and something occurred. We won't get into that because that's just way beyond controversial, and we don't want to really talk about that. Um, not because it's, we agree with Brian Kendrick any stretch. It's just not where we go with this. It's kind of yeah. funny, though. Before this, I was uh, uh, listening a little bit to our uh, – um, our good buddy uh, Jim Cornette, and oh, yeah. he was commenting about uh, um, about the Brian Kendrick situation. And all all I'll say is uh, Cornette um, said, like, he's like, what was like Brian Kendrick like uh, looking to get like uh, released and uh, um, or work for a promotion and then get released in a quicker time than uh, than um, Leo Rush? <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> 
It's just, <laughs> I thought well, it was funny. Yeah, um, it's weird, like how like stuff can come back to haunt you when you say stuff on the internet or whatever. It really oh, can. Sure, sure. I mean, and that's precisely the reason why I wouldn't want to go and say anything about a situation like that because someone might construe what we say about Kendrick the wrong way. But yeah, just, uh, yeah. He he said some things in the past that probably weren't appropriate. Let's just say that. That being said, the th the the thing I wanted to get into was so instead Moxley faces Wheeler Yuta in the in the opening match, and then is confronted by Brian Danielson. Yeah, and what you're expecting in this segment. Is, is that Danielson is going to challenge him to fight or to wrestle or for a match or what what have you. And it's actually, it's exactly the opposite. He challenges Moxley to join him to form a group. Yeah. Where they maybe take some of the rising talent of AEW and form a group to, like, fulfill their destinies to win titles <laughs> to do whatever and i was just like i was like all right i was like he's he raised some good points he's like yeah he's like together we can do this you know like he, he's kind of you know telling moxley hey let's work together we can reach our goals yeah and it was interesting um i know in pre previous episodes of this, and as we've been discussing AEW, uh, one of our criticisms has been way too many groups. So mm -hmm. I don't necessarily see this going that way, especially given Moxley isn't really a, like he kind of walks alone. He, he yeah, like you know he doesn't really get involved too much in group efforts. Um, I mean, yes, I know his history. I know he was in the Shield. I, I get that, but this seems a little like more like a different Moxley from that. Right. Point. I mean, since AEW, I mean, he's been kind of a loner outside. Of, I mean, the association with Kingston and like uh, yep. them teaming up together, kind of having each other's back and all of that. Yeah, I you know, I I liked. The, the promo from Danielson. I like the the segment, his delivery and that aspect of it. So again, I mean there's a there's a positive. Um further kudos. Um but I, I yeah I I'm like we don't need another group. I feel like Tina Turner like we don't need another group. Um, oh Sean's music segment of the week. Yes. Um, yeah, we're just loading this thing up with segments. I know. Um, but, I, yeah, we, we don't need another thrown together. Oh, we have too many people, so let's toss them together in a group because that's what, that's what Tony Khan knows is uh, debuts and groups. So... I agree with you because Moxley is kind of a, 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 you know, like a lone wolf. I mean, he, he, and he works 
I think better as that. It it wouldn't make sense for him to be, you know, in that. Um, I, yeah, I, if he if he did, I don't think he would be long for that. But again, I I, I don't necessarily get why. Like, okay, well they would put them together to break them apart and have like you know another situation like that. Like, yeah, I I, I just uh, it. Um, it's intriguing, I guess, um, it, you know, to see where they go with it. And, uh, I mean, I think that it's ultimately, it's going to lead to that Moxley and, uh, Danielson match. I will say this about, uh, Moxley, uh, since he's been back, um, the matches that he has had, um, I have found that I've liked them a little bit more than the matches that he was having maybe even prior to going uh, going out um, and getting himself some help. It, just in that, I notice like he's not like spilling to the outside immediately. It, that was a frequent habit of uh, Moxley in his matches. Things spill to the outside within the first like 30 seconds and they're out there for, you know, longer than a Kenny Omega Tokyo Dome match. I mean, they're, you know, and and no, no counting from the ref or anything. So like, yeah, I, I like that. uh, You know, he's, he's kind of, um, he's wrestling more. Um, in, in that way, but still sort of being pre- like presented as like kind of this, uh, very the lunatic fringe rebellious type. What's that? The lunatic fringe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he um, looks great. Um, yeah, like, he's, I mean, he's slimmed down uh, quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. He looks phenomenal right now. Like he looks in great shape. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Liz even mentioned it. She's like, oh wow. He looks like he's, uh, you know, the time off has done them some good. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's that noticeable, you know, she watches uh, kind of just because I watch. So yeah. like she kind of just uh, casually watches it. Like if she happens to be in the room and she noted that he looks really good. Yeah. Uh, it, it should be interesting to see what his response is to um, Danielson's uh, uh, proposal. Uh, yeah. Well, I think time will only tell. I, I mean, it might be in the next week or two that we get that um, response. Yeah. Um, it, it's odd though. It's it, it's it 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 was something I wasn't expecting. A little different than than just like, all right, here's his next challenge. You know, for both of those guys, it's all right. Well, let's kind of give them something yeah. maybe with some substance. Sure. This is something just adjacent since I was talking about his matches and another, um, uh, well, like a couple guys I, I'm kind of high on, like, but I, I just because I had watched like Rampage from the uh, uh, last week, not this past Friday, but like the week before. And Moxley had a match against uh, Anthony Bowens. And I thought that was, uh, I thought that was pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. Bowens is one of those guys, he, he looks good. Um, he's, um, I think, you know, I mean, he's got charisma. He, he, you know, looks, looks like a star and I like, I like Max Caster, um, them as a team. I really enjoy it. Like I look forward to like those raps. I like, I look forward to seeing, you know, Oh, what's he going to say? I thought it was very, uh, 
clever and it was cool that they cast her in his rap like coming down uh you know made reference to moxley swearing um uh you know on the uh episode of dynamite and um, oh I, I missed it what did he say uh, I, I thought he said something about like the sensor or something, or you got to watch your mouth or something. I think it was, you got to, got to watch your mouth. Uh, oh, but it, it was good. And, and I, yeah, so I, I just want to, you know, really speak to that. I, I enjoy, enjoy the acclaimed. Um, I, I think that, uh, those two guys like together as a, as a duo are really good together. Yeah. And, and like I said, I mean, I kind of look forward to it. Like sometimes, you know, sometimes if I'm watching like my, you know, attentional trail off a little bit or I'll kind of look at my phone. Uh, but when those guys come out, when I hear like the music come up, like instant, they're one of those, uh, there's, they're one of those uh, teams or um, that like I'm paying attention because I, I want to hear and uh, be focused on like what they're what they're uh, doing and uh, what uh, caster is saying in the rap. Um, sure. So I yeah, they're they're another act kind of within aew that I'm pretty high on right now. I, I think there's a lot of uh, really good potential with both of them. Agreed. I would yeah. agree with that. So I just wanted to it that the discussion about Moxley kind of triggered uh, Trigger sure. that since I watched uh, uh, Rampage. Right on. You mean Rampage from... Uh, Rampage from like uh, a, a week ago. Uh, okay, because this past Friday on Rampage, uh, I, I, I know you didn't watch it, but I just want to mention this in case it, people haven't watched it. Because I know sometimes it gets... Uh, it, it doesn't really get the attention it deserves in, in some cases. Sometimes it gets, you know, negative attention because it's on, it's Friday night and they might not put their best foot forward. Uh, this past week, though, I felt like they they did quite the opposite. I thought that they put – there was a couple of matches on this uh, one-hour show that I thought were great. Um, and uh, I just wanted to mention them to, to you. was uh, uh, Isaiah Cassidy versus Sammy Guevara, which I mm -hmm. thought was nice. It was a really good match. Uh, had some good moments in it. Uh, the Hardy family office uh, dynamic was good. Uh, it kind of continued the storyline between the association between HFO and Andrade and also an interaction with Darby Allen. There's a lot, a lot of good positives there. Uh, also an interaction between uh, Darby Allen and Sammy. Okay. Um, so some interesting things out of that match. They're uh, yeah. two of the four pillows. Yeah. Yeah. Uh poor JR. <laughs> <laughs> the other match that I wanted to mention, and I'm not I'm not trying to point this out like as a oh see Sean. It's a because these guys put on a phenomenal match, and it was for the FTW championship, which yeah. you kind of like <laughs> All right, this title's really not intended to change hands, but right. okay. But the fact that these guys put on this amazing match on Rampage, I think is significant, and I think it'll um, it'll lead to 
bigger and better things for both. Uh, it was um, uh, Jay Lethal versus uh, Ricky Starks. And, and I'm a big fan of Ricky Starks. Uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to watching this. Um, because I also, I mean, for a long time, we've been watching Jay Lethal. Yeah. Yeah. And this was a great spotlight for both of these guys to really show what they have in the ring. They've worked well together. Um, yeah, you, you kind of feel like that match, the, the, this match with Starks and Lethal was going to be a bit of a foregone conclusion because the title, I mean, it really doesn't, I mean, it doesn't carry a lot of weight to it, really. Yeah. Would you agree? I mean, it, it, it's kind of like a heel championship, you know, like yeah, a, I mean, the million dollar really title. Like the million dollar belt. Yeah. I I I like the million dollar belt because it fit with the character of uh, the million dollar man, obviously, with the dollar signs and everything. Mm -hmm. um, and that was such a great thing for him to have. Yeah, I, I kind of feel the way, like with the FTW champion, uh, it, it fit like uh, with Taz. And I didn't watch a whole lot of ECW, I mean, honestly, but it, it sort of fit with him as uh, who he who he was or is, uh, you know. Um, I, I'm not sure if that necessarily, uh, you know, fits with like uh, what my image is of Ricky Starks. Right. Um, but, but yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing this. I mean, with, uh, you've, you know, you've really put it over and like, you know, I, I'm glad to see, yeah. Jay lethal on this mm -hmm. and, 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 uh, and to be fair, also Ricky Starks. I mm -hmm. mean, how, you know, he hasn't necessarily gotten a lot. I mean, I know there was injury and like all of that, but in terms of like, uh, Starks being featured or, or, you know, I mean, he's often in promos and stuff together with, uh, with, uh, Hobbs, not featured a whole ton. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to seeing this. I'm hoping this leads to more for Jay Lethal. Uh, cause yeah, yeah, I, it, it, it is one match, um, so mm -hmm. far. I'm just hoping that it's not just like, oh, okay, well, we, we put them on. Uh, so, uh, people that have been critical well, of us not using Jay Lethal, they can kind of back off of us. I, and what I, I was saying, I mean, you're when, when you locked up, what I was saying was like, they, they had such a good match and that they carried it such that you actually had moments where you, you thought, you know what? Lethal might win this. Like it took me, it brought me into that match that much that I was like, man, he's got a chance here. Like Did not having spoil the conclusion for me, <laughs> not having that foregone conclusion. Well, we were talking about foregone conclusions of Ricky Starks retaining the title, so I felt like you realized what that meant. <sighs> Boy, well, Sean, I mean, uh, well, the FTW title is not leaving Taz's stable, let's just say that. All right. <laughs> You know, come on. Guess I'm not gonna watch this episode. I'll just delete it off my uh whatever. <laughs> you you knew when I was saying foregone conclusion, you knew what that meant. <laughs> not entirely. <laughs> come on. Seriously? I'm serious. No, I I didn't. 
I didn't put it together. Maybe because like, uh, maybe because my uh, thing locked up or whatever, and I had to refresh. But like, I, I I didn't put it together that you were referring to the match. Yeah, or, or not, not like the result or whatever. I didn't put it together. All right. Well, I'll still watch the match. You should still watch the match. But what it what I was going to relate it to was a match that we were at uh, that I felt had also had a foregone conclusion, but it suspended that disbelief during the course of the match. And that was when we were in Cleveland several years ago and we saw Nigel McGinnis face off against El Generico. Yeah. Yeah. Very that much in very that sa- very much in that same way, in that not necessarily because Ricky Starks was going to dominate J- Jay Lethal by any stretch of the imagination, but that you kind of had that feeling you're like, man, there's no way that Generico's going to win this. You're like, it'll be a good match, but there's no way that he's going to even come close to winning this. Yeah. And they got us out of that thought process completely in that match. Because I mean I they they got me hook line and sinker with that match, I feel. You know, it's it's interesting though that we're talking about this with because like Jay Lethal is like not like in this position, I guess maybe where like, you know, kind of going into it like, oh, there's no way, you know, that you know, you mentioned that El Generico match. Uh, there's no way that Al Generico was going to defeat Nigel McGuinness or have anything remotely looking like a chance. And then, the, I mean, the match w- wound up being what it was, and it was really good, really entertaining, and, like, uh, Generico looked great. And, of course, Nigel was always, you know, really, really great to watch. Uh, but I, I don't I, I don't know. I, I, I don't necessarily feel that way like about lethal and that lethal is a a former roh world champion he is like i mean to me he's a big deal like i i i Um, I view it as like a like an underdog if that's no 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 no. it's it's more in the context of the title itself okay say if this match would because because of what I said about the FTW championship, that it, it being a championship within the Taz stable. Right. Okay. Um, that I don't feel like it's going to leave that stable. If this, say this match was for the TNT championship, then absolutely. I would go, you know what? Lethal's got a great chance of winning this, this match and this title. I didn't feel like, looking at the match on paper that he was really going to win the FTW championship. Yeah. I, I, I I see what you're saying now. I I would hope that maybe there would be a little, maybe there would be a little bit more to, to a story if they were going to go that direction of like, you know, and that it felt like maybe there were some stakes to it, you know, or, or felt like that maybe there was a bit more meat to the story than just okay, uh, lethal comes out in those like challenges, um, or whatever. So, yeah. um, but I feel like they suspended that disbelief though, in yeah. the course of this match, sure, sure. So, the performers oh. themselves did a great job of getting me away from that thought and 
bring like putting up a great match that made you think, oh man, you know what? He could win this. Yeah. So it got me to that point. But oh sure. To, yeah. When you're looking at that match on paper, you're like, okay, yeah, it's for the FDW championship. Eh, he's not gonna win this. You know, that that's what I meant. Okay. That makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. If, I, if it was like I mean, TNC championship or whatever, all bets are off. I mean, Jay Lethal is a phenomenal talent. And you know, he would, you know, he'd contend for any title that he's in the in, yeah. in the match for. I, I think, you know, that's that that's no question. And those two guys, I mean, I think I, that's not a surprise to me that you say that around like the the match and like suspending that, uh, you know, because it, it, like having watched those guys and uh, you know watching you know Starks, uh, I mean, when it when he when we do see him, um, but even before, like uh, you know, when I was. Uh, you know, watching more, you know, NWA power when it was on YouTube and everything. And I, you know, got into watching that and, and all the time that we've watched Jay Lethal from, you know, from TNA and so on and so forth, or, or even in some ROH, like, mm-hmm. you know, we know what he's capable of. So it's not, yeah, that's not a, it's not a surprise in that sense. Like, Hey, this was something that was good. So yeah, I'll I'll look forward to watching it. I you know that that those are two guys that I I I've come to enjoy. So yeah, actually a pretty decent hour of television this week. Uh, on yeah, um, yeah. Well, I mean, I both it. those matches are good. You know, seem on paper to be really good. Yeah, yeah. All right, so um, I I don't know I don't know how to go about talking about this next topic, but um. I just uh, so we we talked about the previous on the previous episode about the rumble the royal rumble being a bit of a mess especially the men's match and yeah yeah um it came to light in the days following that there were a lot of problems it was chaotic backstage there was a lot of issues with um the production of the match itself and apparently, a lot of what occurred has been put on the shoulders or have has been blamed on Shane McMahon. Yeah. Who apparently they bring they've brought him in the last couple of years to help produce the match. Right. And it, what it sounds like to me. And this is just from an outsider's perspective of, you know, and what I read on the internet, which who knows how far that, you know, how 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 far to take that sure, is, a, is that basically he kind of went into business for himself. Yeah, I mean, that's what I heard and that there was meaning, you know, like Brock Lesnar had disagreements and Shane uh, or Vince vetoed things that Shane wanted to do. And that's apparently beyond like what we what we saw and what we got from his participation in the in the rumble. Yeah. And it sounds like maybe um he maybe took advantage of a situation. I don't think Vince was there because of uh his um mother had died. I think I think that was what happened. I think Vince McMahon's mo- mo- mother had passed away. 
Oh. Yeah. So I, I don't think that he was actually there. So I think that created some of the situation. Oh, okay. Yeah. He was supposed to be involved in the Elimination Chamber and WrestleMania. Yeah. And apparently we'll like, face Rollins. Um, I heard either Rollins or Austin Theory, which was somebody that we thought he might end up facing. Yeah. Um, I know we had talked about that on one of our previous episodes. But, yeah, that's all like just blown out of the water now that's not going to happen and it explains a lot of what we saw on the rumble or i say that but you know i don't think they didn't give a hell of a lot of detail about like what the issues exactly were right right because there's always these you know backstage reports and like you know, and, and what is reported by people like Meltzer or any of these other people. And it, it's who knows, right? Our resources, our backstage resources, our, uh, our uh, reports that we've received. You know, it's always that kind of thing. And it's like, who's to say? You know, you take some of the stuff with a grain of salt. Was the product itself like the Rumble? Um, I mean, we talked about this, so we don't need to necessarily go into uh, a re-review of it. But what was the outcome of it, of like the the match as a whole? Uh, again, I, I think we both felt comfortable in saying it was, you know, it was kind of in that like range of like if there's 35 of these matches, right? It was the 35th one. Like it was probably sort of somewhere in like that, like maybe that middle chunk of maybe sort of lower kind of lower mid sort of range could backstage stuff kind of play out to what like the outcome of like the product was sure. But we, yeah, we don't, we don't know exactly the extent. I mean, there's all sorts of reports about disagreements with Lesnar and then disagreements with like Jamie Noble, who's one of the, like the producers and, uh, all of all of the stuff yeah i i i don't know but that he's you know that he was fired um and uh the, you know a thing that i read was well vince had no other you know no other uh option basically but to fire shane and if there anything with rollins and I mean, how frankly good I think like he's been doing with his character where he has really, I mean, he's switched up this character and uh, Austin Theory, uh, you know, if it was one of those two names for Shane to face, I, I'd i rather not. I mean, this is almost like a blessing in, the, in, a, in a way that those two guys are not, I'm just going to say it, stuck in a match against Shane McMahon at WrestleMania and that perhaps there's something else that those two could do. Now, whether that means like (laughs) they, uh, like I I don't think they would necessarily do it for Rollins um, and that he'll, he'll be in like a higher profile match, but for Austin theory, does that necessarily mean like, okay, is he just going to end up in the, uh, in the battle Royal? you know, a pre-show battle royal or whatever. 
I, I don't know. I mean, they seem like they were, you know, high on, on, on theory. They've paired him up with McMahon in a way, uh, mm-hmm. with Vince, um, it, of late. So it seems like they're at least higher on the, on this guy than, than other people. But I think all in all, what, whatever it would be, if those were the rumored possible matches, I think, hey, this this is this is not not a bad turn of events for those two guys. Right, I'd um, agree with that. Yeah, I mean, has has Shane been in some entertaining WrestleMania matches, kind of in more recent years? Sure, I think he was in one against like AJ that was really good. Uh, he was in one against. Uh, I mean, the one against, I think, The Miz, that was entertaining. So it's, you know, it's not to say that, like, come game time that the guy couldn't perform in a good match, but I know some people have, like, issues with him at being, you know, north of 50, not a full-time wrestler, not ever a full-time wrestler, really, for that matter. And now at this stage of things, you know, either no selling offense or it, you know, outperforming <laughs> in a way, not necessarily that he's outperforming the wrestlers, but like being made to look stronger, I guess, is a way than like your other consistent, like always their talent that they have. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of my take on it is maybe it lends itself to something positive. Uh, that he's not going to be involved in those in elimination chamber or WrestleMania. Yeah, I could. Uh, I mean, you raise some good points there. I, 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 I think it 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 only helps those guys like maybe face off against somebody that is currently on the roster. Yeah, because I mean, really, where do you go after a match like that? I mean, you're just kind of like you got to start up another program. Where's this? I mean, this is supposed to be the biggest event of the year, you know? Like, right. You know, you want your biggest program of the year, you know, you you want it to be at WrestleMania. You want it to be one of the top plate matches of the card. Yeah. So, yeah, I, kind of interesting. I think there's still a lot of news coming out about this situation, uh, but it's kind of odd and weird. Uh, I think it remains to be seen where, you know, really what it is and where it goes from here. Uh, yeah. You, you thought maybe we should just mention it. it. It's, it's really strange. It might, it might kind of shed some light though on, on maybe some of the issues that occurred with last sure. week's uh, Royal Rumble. Sure. Uh, but we're, we are on the road to WrestleMania, which is exciting. And, I know there's a lot of stuff that occurred this past week, and we'll get into that probably next episode. Uh, gives us time to maybe digest uh, some of the some of the things happening, and maybe give you like a better take on where we think things might be headed. Uh, but uh, what this does mean, though, is that we're on the road to WrestleMania. We're going to start our WrestleMania Rewind rewatch. Uh, where Sean and I are going to embark on watching 
a match from each of the WrestleManias, and we're going to talk about them right here on the podcast. So uh, this week, we are, like I said, we're starting this out, and we're starting at the beginning. We're starting with WrestleMania 1, and we're going to make our way through uh, WrestleMania 1 all the way up to WrestleMania 5. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first match that we had to talk about was um, from WrestleMania 1. It was the World Tag Team title match between uh, the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov and uh, the U.S. Express, who were uh, Mike Rotunda and Barry Windham. Yep. Both had managers in their corner. So uh, Volkov and Sheik had uh, Freddie Blassie and the U.S. Express had uh, Captain Lou Albano. Yeah. So... What you? I mean, uh, I I made some notes around it, just some things uh, that that I saw, and I, I try, you know, I try to watch these if I'm like rating them and whatnot, and I'll I'll say this for like to put myself back in the in the time because I mean I know that like the style styles of stuff have has changed right over the years. I mean, if you go back and you watch a match from, you know what. WrestleMania one was what 1985. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you know it's going to look different, right? Than uh, something uh, thirty, you know, 20, 30 years later. This I you know when uh, I I had almost kind of forgot. Like I mean, you know, you're always like uh, when when you mention like Volkov and uh, and whatnot, like uh, the singing of the you know the national anthem, right? And um, just how much like uh, heat that generated for like this time period. Um, oh yeah, and I mean one thing that like stood out to me was like the trash being thrown in the ring. Yeah, like I mean you didn't often see that, and I mean I remember, and I uh, I often associate. I mean one of the, like the biggest moments of like trash being thrown in the ring was like the Hogan heel turn. Oh yeah. Um, and, and I have like memories or like images in my mind of like the fans throwing garbage in the ring mm-hmm. um, for that. And I, it, it kind of like I was thinking about that when I saw this and I'm like, man, like how much of like heels uh, Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov were. And it, and it fit into that like, you know, mid 1980s thing, right? Um, mm-hmm. right in the midst of, you know, Soviet Union kind of like, uh, right, right there, their characters, it's very character based, right? But they fit into that. And there was like some, you know, just that, uh, like, real like heat. I mean, the crowd were just booing them relentlessly. So, um, I made, I made note of that, uh, uh about the, uh, the, the during the singing of the Soviet national anthem, there was uh, some big like uh, on the opposite side of things, big USA chants, a good solid pop for like the fate, you know, for the Wyndham and Rotunda coming out. And all told, I mean, it, the match being what it was is fairly, I mean, these first five were relatively like short. This was short, but I thought like the action was, uh, 
the action was was good for what it was. I mean, I, I you know, I th- I think uh, you know it could have been flushed out a little bit longer, sure, but I think for what it what it was, there wasn't anything that necessarily like looked bad to me. Uh, uh, some some notes that I had about the match, or yeah, well, about the U.S. Express. Um, you may have noticed you watching this on uh, WWE uh, Network uh, via Peacock that the music was quite obviously not the original music. Right, right. Do you know what song they came out to at this time? Did they come out to Real American? They did later on in their run for like a short little time. Uh, And then it was given over to Hogan. But at this point, they were actually coming out to Bruce Springsteen's "Born in the USA," which is <laughs> which is interesting. Yes, because <laughs> yeah, I mean, totally not like a you know, it it's a protest song. Yeah, uh, but of course, people think it has you know springsteen's powerhouse vocals and you know the refrain born in the usa and uh you know yeah uh so i mean people misinterpret that song and even still to this day misinterpret that song but that that's kind of funny i didn't i didn't even realize that yeah i I was looking it up because i was curious about the real american thing and it was like right at the end of their run as a team they were going to start using it and but they had mentioned before they start they were going to start using it that they came out to born in the USA. <laughs> wow. Nothing inherently wrong with this match. It was quick. It was it was um I mean a classic, you know, face heel match. I didn't think that Captain Lou had a whole lot going on in this match. No, his involvement was pretty limited. I mean, it, I think there was what? There was a little bit of like uh kind of an interaction nothing that got went any beyond you know like them kind of like staring each other down between captain lou and freddie blassie but uh not not too much other than that uh oh i did make note on my notes the guys in the like the front row all wearing like white tuxes i just like i made a note of that just because i kind of got a chuckle out of them right i mean it had nothing Um, to do with the match but I, i thought that that it was uh um, it was just kind of funny, but yeah, I mean that, that matches up to my assessment, like nothing inherently wrong. It was fine for what it was. I like the promo after, uh, with, uh, mean Jean where, uh, iron Sheik calls him Jean mean, Yeah. but yeah, I, you know, kind of just that classic eighties, you know, sort of like heel face, like kind of bringing in, you know, pro USA kind of like dynamic stuff that they would, kind of end up doing like with Hulk Hogan, right? I mean, and some right. like, yep. of the, like the foreign villain kind of thing. Very, very much, you know, 80s, early 90s kind of stuff. But um, yeah, not, not, nothing wrong with it. Um, you notice, I mean, with this one and uh, WrestleMania 2, like how gritty their production looks. Yeah. Like yeah. it very much still looks like a professional wrestling at an arena kind of show where there just happens to be cameras. It yeah. changes. It changes after two, I feel. 
it it's interesting yeah like i mean it's like that dark like kind of like uh not as bright like very dark kind of like like watching like uh matches uh in some respects to like uh watching from uh like uh world class from um the sportatorium, the sportatorium. Yeah, yeah how it was just like this dark kind of dingy place but like uh yeah kind of had that gritty look and i know that's just as part of like you know production technology that existed at this point and obviously mm-hmm. we're you know have been in the last whatever how many ever many years of high def like you know digital kind of you know production is second to none yeah. you know and of course i mean the finish of this match is um the first of many on this list of the uh, the the ones we're discussing on this episode where the manager or one of the managers gets involved and it yep. leads directly to the finish yeah or um, freddie blassie with his cane i think what it's uh who hits him does sheik or i can't remember if she hits uh i think rotundo. i think Sheik hits rotundo and um volkov gets volkov the gets the pinfall yeah yeah i kind of rated this um like mid mid range i mean i put it at like a five i you know i i in terms of like where it was like mm-hmm. not bad not you know no, nothing wrong nothing you know like spectacular i think just in terms of like the length of time and it's it's not a it some of these i found difficult to try to rate because it's like the talent in the ring was good at what they did, right? I mean, there was like, I mean, Barry Windham, Mike Rotundo, both great. I mean, you know, Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov, just these two like powerhouse guys. There was like good dynamic there. Um, and like we both said, nothing inherently wrong. So some of these I kind of found difficult to sort of like rate in a way because of that. And also trying to put myself back into like 1985 mindset um mm-hmm. and that's i think what last last year when we sort of did the mania you know main event rewatch kind of doing the same thing and placing myself back into the time frame that like the matches were taking place because it's a different style different time different you know kind of thing than what we end up seeing today all right so on to wrestlemania 2 where in WrestleMania 2, we watched uh, the 20-man Battle Royal, which uh, was kind of interesting to watch. Um, We'll just run down the participants first. Uh, So you had, before we get to the participants, let's just uh, mention that this uh, Battle Royal not only had WWF superstars in it, but also had players from the nfl in it and then it took place in chicago you might notice that there's a little bit of a like a chicago edge to this uh battle royal uh if you were if you were a fan of the nfl back in 1986 some of these names might be familiar to you so this is the order that they came out you had uh Jimbo Covert, who was a, a NFL player for the Chicago Bears. You had uh, Pedro Morales, uh, Tony Atlas, Ted Arcidi, 
who yep. I found out he's actually from Buffalo. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Harvey Martin, who was a uh, NFL player for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Dangerous Danny Spivey. Uh, Hillbilly Jim. Uh, King Tonga, who that's actually Haku. Haku. Yeah. Yeah. The Iron Sheik. Ernie Holmes, who played for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, B. Brian Blair and Jumpin' Jim Brunzel. Yeah. Uh, Big John Studd. Bill Fralick, who was a player for the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Jim the Anvil Neidhart. Russ Francis. Why didn't I see Bret Hart on this list? That's weird. Oh, you know what? I the Hart Foundation. Oh, no, no, no. I see what I see what it was. Uh, Jim Neidhart, uh, Bret Hart, Russ Francis, who is a football player, Bruno San Martino, and William the Refrigerator Perry. Yeah. Yeah. Quite the so, list there. Yeah. Quite the list. And a few of those players played for the Chicago Bears, who right prior to this had won the Super Bowl. Yeah. So at the time, they were like the toast of Chicago. Oh, sure. Like, and I mean, obviously big crossover WWF always has done like the, you know, celebrity or other sports stars involvement in with, especially with WrestleMania. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that's a, be a big, big, uh, yep. big deal. Well, they also had two guest referees. I mean, you're, yep. t- you're talking about star power. So one of the referees Buckus. was Dick Buckus, who was a former Chicago bear. And then the other one was a former Dallas Cowboy, Ed Tall Jones. Yeah. However, that wasn't the only star involved in this match. Oh, yeah. The guest timekeeper was um, – this goes back. I, I mean, it, you got to be a child of the 80s to know who this person was. Where's the beef lady? It, it was Claire Peller. Where's the beef from uh, the Wendy's commercials of the 80s? Now – I made a note here about her. She had a microphone in hand. Was she yes. supposed to say something because she kind of waved the microphone and then they sort of like, I think she yelled, maybe yelled something or whatever, but I had a mic and I, and then they kind of like, I, I think they cut away from her. Like, uh, yeah, she was supposed to do the where's the beef line. Okay. Yeah, you could see that. I mean, if you read lips, that's what she says is, where's the beef? Yeah. And unfortunately, the mic wasn't on or she didn't know how to operate a microphone or something. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. I mean, they handed a microphone to a woman who was, at the time, 84. Yeah. Uh, She passed away, sadly, the following year. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, she she started those Wendy's ads in 1984. Okay. And Wendy saw sales of their burgers um, increase. I, I thought I saw the percentage somewhere. I think it was like 31% or something like that. Yeah. The worldwide sales uh, jumped to $945 million in 1985. It was an increase of 31%. Wow. So 
like with this, I mean, I, I made some notes. I said that uh, the introductions of everybody might have been uh, longer than the match itself. Uh, oh, by the way, um, Peller, uh, Wendy's claimed that they paid Peller $500,000 for her work on the campaign. Huh. Yeah. Uh, 1980s money. Not, uh, not bad. Not, not bad now by any stretch, but like 1984 or yeah, pretty, pretty solid. But yeah, I mean, it's hard. And, and again, with a, a battle royal, I think of this style, right? I mean, we we talked a little bit about obviously in the last episode about the Royal Rumble. Um, we've you know rated and reviewed all the Royal Rumbles, and those are a, a different style of battle royal. But always hard for me in like a regular battle royal where everybody starts off to kind of like rate it because it's always like. Or, or it's very frequently like the action is just very much like just bodies kind of in there. And in this style, people are tossed out fairly quick. Yeah. Um, I noticed like some booze from people like uh, unexpectedly, like I didn't mark down names, but it was just, it struck me as interesting as they were coming out for their introductions like some of the wrestlers unexpectedly, like some of the face uh, wrestlers like being booed. Like it was a, I don't know if an interesting uh, crowd dynamic or being in Chicago or whatever, maybe something along those lines. But Uh, some of the football players from other teams were definitely getting booed. Yeah. Yeah. That too. I mean, obviously the fridge had a good response. Uh, Andre uh, also had a great response. Uh, the fridge's gear for this match was pretty odd. <laughs> yeah, where I don't know if he didn't tie it or what, but yeah, it he was it was a good thing he had something underneath the pants because otherwise he would have been showing a whole lot of ass. <laughs> I there was the uh, like when fridge was um eliminated. I made note of like the the uh, double cross moment, basically uh, with the uh, 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 Big John Stud. Mm-hmm. Where he kind of like uh, pulled pulled him out, pulled Stud out. Yeah. Um, this to me was fine for what it was. It, it was me. It was one of those that was more of like spectacle, right? Like sure. so, it's a battle royal. They've got you know, fo- you know football players involved with it. You know, mm-hmm. we're not. You know, we're obviously our professional athletes not professional wrestlers in that sense. So it it is more in that way of, hey, here's something to maybe get eyes, mainstream attention on the product right. and involve all these different, you know, all these different athletes from the, the world of NFL. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think I gave it like a, like around a four, four and a half. Um, it was just fine. And again, it's like I said, it's hard for me to sort of rate a battle Royal in this style. Um, oh shit. You know what? I didn't really give these ratings. What are you rating them out of? Out of 10. Oh, out of 10. Yeah. All right. I would go, let's see for the tag, the first tag match. I'd probably go like maybe I'd go three out of three out of 10 on that. Yeah. I mean, it was okay. It, I, yeah, it was all right. I, yeah. I just, it was kind of, I, I think there was better matches coming. 
Sure. Uh, the battle sure. royal, I would probably go less than that. I didn't think it was very good as a match. It 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 is it was what it was though. It drew a lot of star power. Yeah. Um, it was because of all the Chicago ties to it. Um, it was very much for that crowd. I feel. Yeah. I'm gonna go two and a half out of ten on that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking back. I did a like a four. So I mean we. Similar thoughts as it. I think, yeah, our, our, we we have similar thoughts. It's just our, our ratings tend to be a little bit different, but that's fine. Uh, okay, WrestleMania three. There's a lot of matches that we could have gone with. Um, there was uh, a very obvious choice that we could have done. We could have done Savage and Steamboat. I feel like maybe we've talked about that match before on this podcast. Yeah. Um, so we came up with a we came up with another match to look at um and that one i felt like had a decent amount of build uh coming into wrestlemania 3 and that was uh danny davis and the hart foundation versus tito santana and the british bulldogs yeah i like this match and the reason why i did was because of the, the the, the people played their roles perfectly in this. You had like Danny Davis and the Hart Foundation. Davis in particular did, a, I feel like, did a great job in being like that, um, that heel. Kind like, of the, the uh, people call it a chicken shit. Like, you know, yeah. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, I, I like it. In, gets a little bit in on, you know, uh, a couple kicks or punches or whatever, and then gets out of there quickly, which yep. they noted on commentary. Yep. It was good. It, it, it played into that perfectly. I enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, mm-hmm. I liked how much, I mean, not only that the heels, you know, in particular Davis were hated, um, but how much the fans supported uh, Santana and the Bulldogs. They were so in their corner. Like, they were behind yeah. them 100%. And it played into this match perfectly, like, as far as that dynamic goes. Um, it, it, just a classic match as far as, like, that heel-face dynamic. Yeah. Yeah, there were parts I, for me. I felt like, it, like it worked with being a six man, uh, but at the same time, I also felt like, man, this could have been, you know, uh, you know, another standout if it were just a regular tag, if it were just Heart Foundation British Bulldogs. Yeah, um, you know, I, but, I, I mean, the background story, the background story that basically Davis uh, had screwed. Santana out of his intercontinental yep. title and then uh had screwed the Bulldogs out of the tag team titles. Oh yeah, fit in the story. Yeah. I'm just saying as far as just the match on its own, I'm saying like the kind, you know, um it, it could have worked just as well. Oh sure. Uh, even yeah. the, like the 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 tag the two tags, but it, it it did it made sense with the story. I'm just saying at the end of like the match, it maybe even could have been that much more um, if it were just a regular tag. But I mean, everybody did a really good job in it. Davis did. uh, Tito, obviously. I mean, 
when you look at everybody else involved and uh, you know i'm not bashing danny davis or anything but when you look at everybody else involved i mean you have some really great people involved in this obviously the Hart foundation tito santana the british bulldogs i mean that's a, a you know a fantastic uh, lineup of uh of wrestlers there and and davis actually had experience too he sure. wasn't just a referee he worked under the under a hood as um i think mr x is the, yeah. the character that he played uh as a jobber uh so he while he was working as a referee he also did the mr x character yeah and he played it off well of being, you know, like uh, kind of just the, re- you know, or just this right. yep. or this, uh, shady ref. So, yeah, I, but I enjoyed it. Um, I loved, uh, I mean, the fans had to be happy somewhat because they did get, uh, they did get the opportunity to see all the faces get their, get their on, shit me. in on Davis. Yep. Yeah. And again, we've got manager involvement. So Jimmy Hart with the megaphone, the megaphone comes into play. And what I think uh, Davis hit uh, was it um, Davy Boy? Uh, let's see here. It was, yeah, it was uh, Davy Boy Smith. Yep. Yeah. And gets the gets the pin. So I mean, he'll he I I don't know where the story went from there after this. I, I I'm curious, like where uh, things went between, like, because uh, very often WrestleMania had been sort of like this is where stories kind of come to a conclusion. I gotta, you know, I gotta wonder with that, like, where did the story kind of go post post Mania? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I I think that. I know uh, Davis continued to kind of um, uh, wrestle for at least a couple of years and then got reinstated as a referee after the fact, like a couple of years after that. Yeah. And, I mean, the Bulldogs kind of just continued. What? I was going to laugh uh, because when you mentioned uh, Danny Davis being reinstated, there was a good line uh he says it so matter of factly, like it's uh, you know, a very much like Gorilla Monsoon. He's like, well, and uh, Danny Davis, he's been suspended from uh, refereeing for uh, for life plus ten years. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just was funny. Uh, I got a laugh out of that when uh, uh, when Monsoon said it. Yeah, that was uh, I. N- now that you bring that up, I do remember that. But I think, I mean, the Bulldogs kind of fell down the card a bit after this. I mean, they were already starting kind of a downward trend after they lost the titles, and I think it just kind of continued. And then ultimately, you know, Dynamite Kid left, and Davy Boy kind of hung around for a while on his own, and then left, and then came back. You know, it 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 was never really was the same for the Bulldogs. We know where the foundation, the Hart Foundation went. They went up. You know, sure. Yeah. Where would you uh, place this one? I'm gonna go seven out of ten on this. I like this one. Yeah, 
I'm actually like, I'm going to adjust it. I mean, if, you know, kind of talk, I'm going to put it like at a six and a half. Yeah. I, I agree with you. The in ring, uh, the, the work of it, it wasn't, you know, again, everything was crisp and good and uh, looked solid. Everybody played their roles really well. Yeah. It, it all looked really good. So um, it, it was good. It was entertaining. I was glad we uh, picked this one. The next one, WrestleMania 4. This is a tough one to uh, pick a match out on because really there weren't too many matches that weren't in the tournament. Um, yeah. And, and even then, I mean, the matches went relatively short. I think if I'm not mistaken, I'm apart from the main event, I want to say like, I want to say it was like Steamboat and Valentine went maybe like one of the longer matches. If, if I'm thinking correctly, uh, they, they had one of like the longer. Um, yeah, they did. It went nine minutes. Uh, I mean, there was a time limit draw in the tournament with uh, Roberts and rude rude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, you had another battle Royal, which we didn't want to do one of those. And then, uh, and then we had, there was an Intercontinental title match that went to a DQ. And then another six-man match featuring the Bulldogs again. So yeah. there was only really, I feel like, one option for us to pick. And um, it was a match between Demolition and X and Smash with uh, with manager Mr. Fuji versus the team of strike force, which was Rick Martell and Tito Santana. Yep. Uh, and this was for the WWF tag team championship held by uh, Martell and Santana. I like this match. Uh, I thought it was really good. Um, yeah. I do have to say uh, listening uh, to the ring entrance music, demolitions ring entrance music is far and away a hell of a lot better than strike forces. Oh yeah. I mean, it just, uh, that was one of the first things. I mean, it, it watching this, it just kind of took me back. I mean, I remember having a demolition t-shirt. Um, you know, I was very into demolition. Like it just, uh, uh even apart from watching it, it just kind of really just took me back to that time and hearing that ring entrance music, it just fit with them. It was so cool. It was a just one of those great entrance themes. I I, I think of all, of all time. I mean, if it, you put it in there, I mean, maybe it doesn't get kind of uh, as much of attention now. I I think it just really nicely fit in uh, with their with their characters and who they were. Uh, sure. But yeah, far and away better than kind of like the very. Uh, I don't know if it's like synthy kind of just very like uh, yeah like you hear demolitions theme and then you hear strike force and it's like oof <laughs> which uh, uh, by the way uh uh strike force was using uh girls in cars yeah yeah i like this match um it it, it was short uh, again, I mean, it, it, not a long match, but what was in there was good. Um, Demolition looked, you know, obviously they're, they're a powerhouse team, right? They're going to, mm -hmm. and their style was to just beat guys down. Yeah, I um, felt like it was a great clash of styles. Yeah. Um, 
that they, I mean, that, you know, like Martel and uh, Santana, a little bit more high flying and yep. fast and uh, demolition more like ground and pound kind of style. Yep. They, they worked well together. These two teams. Um, yeah. Yeah. And Tito playing the, the, the quote unquote face in peril. Uh, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And that, yeah. that's exactly what, um, that's exactly what I wrote. I mean, it was a classic tag team match. Uh, they cut off the ring nicely yep. and Tito's cells selling in this match was phenomenal. And, and his then, fate, his facial expressions. Was oh just yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Tito is just one of those guys like, you know, year after year and just go back and watch them. And like, I, I like that we picked this match. I mean, for the reasons you mentioned at, at this particular WrestleMania, but just to, I mean, see him here or see him. And obviously in the WrestleMania three match that we watched and you just go back and you see guys like this or, or like also, I mean, uh, you know, Rick Martel for that matter, which I'm going to mention in a second here. But like how we talked about Martel kind of being like uh, in the Rumble we rewatch, how we're like, man, he is just an MVP of like so many Rumbles or like, you know, would always, you know, look just so good. But Tito, just seeing him and his work, it just, I mean, really, really good and everything and like how he's selling and how he, you know, and when he gets that tag and tags in Martel, great stuff there. And Martel is just all fired up. And, and he's taken out these big guys and everything and looks good at doing it and everything. And both those guys were in great shape. I mean, you know, at the point Martel and Tito and it was, it was, it was fun. I mean, I, I really enjoyed watching this one. I, I did like, there was a point uh, with the commentary where I just kind of laughed because uh, there was like a point where uh, Jesse uh, mentions that there was like a double team and that the ref shouldn't like have gone for like down for the count. I I forget who it was uh, that got like was going for a pin if it was Martel or who, but on one of the guys in demolition and he was like talking about like, oh, he shouldn't have gone for that. And Monsoon kind of started to argue with him. And it just brought me back to how much I love like the dynamic with Jesse and Monsoon. Yeah. Um, and Jesse would always be like, he'd be heelish, but you couldn't help but like, he'd be logical though. He wasn't mm-hmm. just outright like cheering or being a, like ignoring things purposely. He would, but it, it, it wasn't just so blatant on that end. And when things that were like sort of in favor of the heels it was almost very logical in that way. It really was. And, but he, he came off still as like a heel. And I, I love that. Cause like, you know, Monsoon obviously is very, you know, like that face commentator, you know, by the rules and all of that. And it just, it worked so well together. So I, I love having those two, like going back and watching like these first, like, what I think they were on commentary for like the first like six manias. Yeah. It it's it's great. It's something to go back and listen to the Heenan uh or not Heenan, uh the Jesse and uh, monsoon commentary team. Um oh by the way, I, I, I mentioned it I um 
for one and two, you notice like the like starting with three and four, how much better the production looks. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 It's noticeable. Yeah. Well, so starting to realize like, okay, they're they're they've up the they've up their game big time. Well, Oh yeah, well, I mean, you got to think. I mean, how big of a smash success was three, right? Um, and I mean, one, it was. I mean, it's been said that was like the gamble. Two was. I mean, it was sort of that mixed bag of uh, in terms of what the event was. But then by the time they hit three, and then you get to four and five, and the you know production and all of that, mm-hmm. you know, still a thing of its time but very like noticeably like you know upping that uh value and mm-hmm. like where they were i mean you know three four five eighty seven eighty eight eighty nine i mean there was like nothing hotter than you know than uh right yeah like wwf at that time so yeah. um this one i would uh you know and the finish was almost sort of in some way similar to the wrestlemania one and that like manager involvement literally a cane um involved um referee distraction a little bit different in that tito takes fuji out you know i mean there isn't maybe even like his age or whatever freddie blassie and whatnot he didn't get in the mix there but like a little bit more uh but and there was some variation on it in that like uh Martel had, um, I forget, I think it was Smash in the Boston Crab, and yep. Axe hit uh, hit him from behind with the cane. So a little variation on it, but I kind of made note that I was like, oh, uh, more manager involvement. Similarly with the cane again. Yeah. But, All right. So I went, uh, I went eight out of ten on that one. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go. I, I I would go with like a because I didn't write a rating down. I'd probably have to go like a like a seven and a quarter. I thought it I thought it was really good. All right, so WrestleMania five, the Mega Powers Explode event, and we yeah. decided to go with, and I mean we didn't pick these in mind with this, but it certainly felt like maybe. After the fact, we realized that we almost had a theme for these first five matches. Uh, we went with the Ultimate Warrior, the Intercontinental Champion, defending the title against Ravishing Rick Rude. And I remember as a kid, I mean, I think, uh, you know, uh, you picked the even-numbered ones, I picked the odd-numbered ones, and I remember as a kid really liking this match. So it was kind of fun for me to go back and watch it. And, you know, at, <laughs> and at that point, I remember liking, you know, Bobby Heenan. So I think I was like, even at that point, like happy that like uh, uh, with Heenan's involvement in this. But it, even now, I mean, it's definitely a thing of like, it's a, it's warrior involved. So, I mean, you're getting his type of offense, but I, I still like, I, 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 we've talked about this mania for me being kind of one of those big like moments, like in, in terms of like my wrestling fandom, 
I you know, we were watching wrestling before this. Um, and even my earliest memories are maybe a, are before like, you know, uh, the February, uh, what, February 5th of 88. And yep. like, and, and, and even before that point, and maybe some stuff in and around three, but yep. WrestleMania five to me was one I remembered. I think we got on pay-per-view. We taped mm-hmm. it. We, I watched over and over again. I love the, like, I love this event as a kid. So watching anything from this one is just like big time nostalgia for me. Cause this was like just a huge, and I mean, again, right at that height, 1989, huge. But this match, I, I really still enjoyed Rick Rude. Always. I mean, just a great, great heel. Uh, the tights that he had on with the belt printed on the front. And I think warrior on the back. Yep. Always awesome with those tights. Rude was, I, you know, it's interesting. I remember he was one of my picks when we way back when, when we did the uh, singles uh, draft and, and he was one that kind of came up. I remember this as sort of a surprise. Like I think you hadn't necessarily, nor a gym necessarily thought, thought of him and i think i had him on my list oh did you i think so but i i i i just i i thought he was really good here and i mean it's one of those that like for whatever you know is said about him or limitations of ultimate warrior i mean he was one of those guys that i think got the best out of the ultimate warrior and they I would agree. Well. Yeah. Um, there was a little bit of bad uh, kind of botch moment where Warrior, I think, had um, uh, did a, like a, a, a backbreaker on Rude and then picked him up again, and then they kind of tumbled yeah. a bit. Uh, Monsoon kind of tried to cover it up a little bit, like uh, on yeah. commentary. I, I made a note of it just because I thought it looked spectacular. Uh, an awesome-looking missile dropkick from Rude. Yeah. Um off the top rope. Um looked great. I yeah, I I really enjoy this match. Um it's still uh I was happy to watch it again because you know sometimes you go back and you watch things with like a air of nostalgia. Sure. And they're they don't stand up to like what your impressions were. Um like as a kid. Maybe a, l- a little bit of that where it's like, okay, I'm seeing it through a different lens, you know, years and years and years later. But I very much was still able to really enjoy this one. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, it was good. I mean, it, Rude, uh, it, it really showcased how good of a worker Rude is uh, that he was able to work with Warrior, like you said, in this match. Uh, incorporating Warrior style, which was, I mean, by all accounts, everybody always said that Warrior was really rough around the edges and could be a bit stiff in the ring. Uh, so he was able to work with that and incorporate it into the match and did a, a great job with it. I thought his selling in the match was good. Like, he really sold uh, well. Um, and, I mean, we're touting, we're touting uh, Rude a lot. That's not to take anything away uh, away from Warrior. That Warrior 
worked with Rude on this match, and the takes two to tango. They both they both did great in this one. Yeah. I I enjoyed it. Um, it, it was is one of those matches uh, that yeah it I I I always have an image of this match in my head because of the finish and how you know Warrior got screwed out of the title um, yeah. It, it, it was a good finish. They 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 played it well. It didn't make Warrior look weak at all, which no. was I think important in this time. Um, but it also was his first loss in WWF. Yeah, I went uh, I went seven out of ten on this one. I liked it. It was a good match. Yeah, I got a like seven and three quarter. I mean, it may even be like an eight for me. I just, I, and maybe it's the air of like the nostalgia and whatnot. Um, sure. But I, I, I just really enjoy it. And I mean, it just, again, I think it speaks to, yeah, I mean, it speaks to both and how into uh, people were into Warrior, uh, but also in, you know, as far as Rick Rude as a worker. Um, his selling, his, uh, when he would get, you know, hit, I always remember, I liked, um, Rick Rude, like, uh, his selling of like, uh, in particular an atomic drop. Oh yeah. Like yeah. he would always, he would stand a particular way. Like he would always kind of like his back would be kind of like arched and he'd sort of like take like an atomic drop. Like it was like the worst thing yeah. you could ever get hit with. But I mean, he was just so, so good as a heel and sure. um, just natural with it. And again, one of those guys, I, I, you know, I, I don't know necessarily, I would say underrated, but I think when people kind of look back on or think about wrestling and obviously, you know, some of the names that come up first, I feel like he's kind of not, you know, uh, on people's minds immediately. And uh, by all accounts, I mean, a legitimate tough guy and, uh, it, it, it's too bad. I mean, his career got, you know, wound up getting cut, uh, cut short where it was, but you know, I mean that, yeah, such are, you know, the risks, uh, with what, what these guys are doing. Yeah. Uh, all, all in all, I really enjoyed going back and watching and, this one. And you can't even, you, you, you can't forget about the, uh, role that Heenan played in this match. Too. Oh yeah. 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 And Heenan, I, yeah, and, and maybe this kind of goes into like the little side that we wanted to uh, speak to was the role of managers uh, in this, um, in these first few matches. I mean, aside from two, obviously, but uh, the Battle Royal, but like the role of Freddie Blassie of, uh, you know, I mean, to a lesser extent in that sense, uh, Lou Albano, but that he was still out there that, you know, there was managers, uh, Jimmy Hart, Mr. Fuji, Bobby Heenan, like just how in this era, like how present managers were throughout this. And as I was going over the cards and looking at the rest of the cards and everything, and you see, like, you know, Bobby Heenan out there frequently, Fuji, Jimmy Hart, Slick, like um, the these guys coming out, and that it's 
and I know it's been said, it's just, and it has been the, this case for 20 some odd years, <laughs> like a lost like art form. Sure. Uh, yeah. And how good they were. And then like, you know, Sherry, I mean, you can't, you know, can't name great managers without mentioning her. Um, and yeah. was, or, you know, or, or Jim Cornette or JJ Dillon or, uh, obviously Paulie, uh, dangerously Paul Heyman. I, Paul I know Elwood. there's been some good ones like since, uh, Paul Heyman continues to be probably the best in the game. Um, as far as a, like a manager, and AEW is, I, I'd say they're trying uh, with like having managers and people out there and whatnot, mm-hmm. but the extent to what they're used for or how they are or whatever, or what they do, maybe not as much of what like this era of like WWF did. Oh no. Who they had as far as managers. I mean, it, it, I, I mean, uh, it, you know, we could, could do a whole separate pot about Bobby Heenan. I mean, he's in like, uh, for me, he's kind of in a, a class of his own. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, always kind of fun to like go back and watch like these older events or, you know, and it's just like, it's so noticeable about like how many, how many matches have managers involved. And, yeah, and it add, it can add so much to it, mm-hmm. you know. Heenan or Jimmy Hart or or or, or Paul Bearer. I mean, uh, you know, forgot to mention him. How much did Paul Bearer or Percy Pringle, you know, or Paul, you know, for that matter, add to like the presentation and the character of the Undertaker? Right. Oh yeah. It, like how important and vital. That was, and then later Kane or or like Mankind, um, like how important was Paul uh, Paul Bearer to those characters, and, and without taking away, they added to them, like you know, and guys that maybe weren't great, like or weren't going to be or whatever, they didn't necessarily need to be on the mic. It they they added that element to it. And it's too bad that that is not like utilized more um, these days. Yeah. Well, you even think like, um, and uh, there, there's some guys like that we saw in the Indies that were doing some things that would have maybe been good to see sure. come up into like WWE or uh, AEW. Oh my God. If that guy, I mean, he was. Uh, if he could have, if he could have gotten a handle on his issues that he had, yeah, his demons, if you will, he would have been a superstar. Yeah, in ever, I mean, Larry Sweeney was amazing. He such a great character. It's just unfortunate he just he had some issues, mental issues, and he couldn't get past it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he was just. Uh, he was just the tip of the iceberg. There was a few others that we saw that were like, you know, that would have been, uh, yeah, he, he unfortunately, uh, uh, passed away in 2011 at the age of 30. He was a genius. Yeah. Oh, young too. Yeah. Age 30. 
Yeah, Larry Sweeney was just, he was amazing, an amazing character. And, you know, like, unfortunately, like some of his demons and his mental health issues got the best of him. And, uh, you know, it, 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 so young and so talented. It would have been great to see what he could have done. Yeah, yeah. I, I I agree. Like the to get to that like next level, but I mean, what yeah. he was doing was really good. And that I mean, we're we're talking about him, and that he um, had that impression that you know there there are things that maybe from that we don't completely you know recall. There's things of like those ROH shows that we were going to or that went to we went to. Mm-hmm. Um, there's obvious moments and matches and things that we saw, like we mentioned Generico and uh, Nigel, but you know, he was one, he made the most out of like the moments that he was out there as a manager and he was good with what he, what he did. He was really good with it. Um, so I agree. It could have been so much more of like, he could, you know, he could have uh, had like, uh, you know, been that much more of like, uh, you know, of a, of a player. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, there there might be some guys coming up, I mean, that might be able to maybe take the managerial role into the modern times. And, you know, let, let's hope that that occurs, because I think it's a lost art. I feel yeah. like there are some people doing it right now that do a great job at it, like you mentioned, Heyman. But I'd like to see more of it, because, I mean, these matches, these five matches we watched, the uh, common thing with them was the role of the managers in the matches. And, yeah. you know, maybe maybe that might be something that people should look at as far as pro wrestling goes and where it goes in the future. Yeah, and it, uh, it really fell off. I mean, if you think back, I mean, like... It, oh, it did. Era, yeah. Like, it really kind of, you know, it was falling off. I mean, there were some people in WCW, I mean, like, uh, you know, that around that time that were still acting as managers. And, mm-hmm. uh, it, you know, you think ECW with, um, oh, my God, why do why does this name, with the whistle, uh, Alfonso. Oh, yeah. 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 Or, or, you know, situations like that, or like, I mean, you know, Sherry was still, you know, managing with Harlem Heat and, uh, you know, and it, I mean, it was always fun with her because she could, (laughs) I mean, she, she could get in the mix uh, with like the, uh, with the guys and everything and it would be believable and everything uh, because of who she was. Yeah, it, it's too bad that it really started to really fall off. I think in like the two thousands and uh, and on until present day, where we don't quite see that role being used or uh, being uh, with its fullest potential, uh, like we did in like the eighties and early to mid nineties. I think it, yeah, not not as much of what we had seen in the past, and I mean the people that we mentioned are, you know, we're just great with it. I mean, you know, that here we are talking about them to this day and, you know, or that people like say what people could say what they want about his opinions and him being outspoken about the modern product. But there's, I mean, no doubt like for, you know, 
for his time and for, well, any time for that bad. You can go back. Jim Cornette was a great manager. Sure. Um, I, you know, I, I think easily, uh, you know, everybody's going to have a different opinion about a top five. Uh, maybe for me, he's in, he's in that top five of managers. Um, I can see that. You know, but yeah, I, I, I think those, you know, it's interesting how it worked out when we picked these matches, not picking them for like, oh, well, this one has a manager or this one, the manager. It's just that they were so saturated with the, with the product and in a good way. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think we'll find it as we go along. You know, I, I haven't necessarily looked at the other matches to see if like they're, oh, there's a manager or not. But I think as we go along, we're going to sort of see where it starts to kind of decline and not. Oh, like, sure. We're not, not going to, you're not going to have manager involvement in the matches. Mm -hmm. And that's going to speak to the era that, you know, we're, we're in or the eras mm -hmm. of when that sort of like that trend sort of goes away. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So that being said, uh, let's just do a little preview of uh, the matches for the next episode. Yeah. Uh, from WrestleMania six, we have uh, the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase versus Jake, the snake Roberts. Yeah. From WrestleMania seven, we have the big boss man versus Mr. Perfect. Kurt Henning. Mm -hmm. From WrestleMania 8, we have Brett the Hitman Hart versus Rowdy Roddy Piper. I believe that's for the Intercontinental title. It is, yep. Uh, from WrestleMania 9, we have Tatanka versus the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. And from WrestleMania 10, we have Brother versus Brother, Owen Hart versus Bret Hart. So stay tuned for that. Our next episode, we will talk and review those five matches as we continue with our WrestleMania Rewind rewatch um, and as we head down the path to this year's WrestleMania event. Exciting stuff, Sean. I, I enjoy doing these. I enjoy uh, reviewing these, these matches and uh, where we head with uh, – uh, the WrestleMania talks. It's it's always a fun time of the year for a wrestling fan. So mm -hmm. um, hope you all enjoy uh, our discussions, uh, our in-depth discussions and observations of these uh, contests. But uh, yeah, I think that about closes out for this episode. Um, don't forget, you can check out all of our socials and all that stuff. Please comment what you think about these matches. Uh, and uh, give us some uh, ideas, if, if, if you want, of what you thought or what you think about the managers that we talked about tonight. Maybe your top five managers. How about that? Uh, yeah, if you want to comment on our Facebook page with your top five managers of any era, that might be a good uh, little uh, thing to add on. Uh but yeah, yeah, uh, good stuff. Uh, yeah, you can check the episodes out on our webpage, and uh, you can download them from our uh, from any of your favorite podcast applications. Uh, yeah, just you know, subscribe, download, and subscribe to those episodes, man. We'd we'd love to hear you uh, listen to those episodes and give us uh, thoughts on those. But Sean, why don't you close us out for tonight? righty. the preceding podcast has been paid for by the Wrestling World Order. <laughs>